Good morning. Uh, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 11, and we're going to dig into this. But uh, before we really get started, I just, as we were worshiping, I thought, there's one verse here that I think, man, it's just right in line with what we have been singing about this morning and, and worshiping the Lord. It's, uh, it's Acts 11, verse 21. And let me uh, read this, and then I want to pray over the, the message. But it says, The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. You know, I think in our uh, world today, like just when we look at a lot of churches, a lot of churches grow in, in various ways. They grow because they got this dynamic pastor with this fantastic personality, which we do. That's us. I admit it. Uh, uh, and, and other churches grow because they got this, this great programming and uh, they got all their ducks in a row. And, uh, and, and other, uh, other churches grow because they got the best worship in town. It's a, it's a performance. It's great. It's like a rock concert. And all those things are wonderful and good. But, but the best type of growth, like that, that was talking about here, is when the hand of the Lord is with them. You see, all those other kind of, uh, uh, kinds of growth, personality, programming, professionalism, that's, that's shallow growth. That's here uh, today and gone tomorrow. Well, what we're longing for is, is deep growth. And deep growth happens by the hand of the Lord. And, that, and that's what we're talking about today. We wanna, we're, we're talking about set free to go deep. And, we're, and the type of depth we're talking about this morning is, is twofold. One with one another, because we're, the, the theme of this upcoming year is family church. We got, we got two relationships that we're talking about when we talk about the, the family of God. One is with our brothers and sisters. That's you and me together. Uh, that's us, the family of God. And then also with our Father, uh, God our Father. And, we're, and we want to go deep with God, and we want to go deep with one another. And the way that that's done is when the hand of the, the, hand of the Lord is with us. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I pray that you would come now, and, uh, and you're already here. We, we thank you and worship. And now we pray that you would come and meet us in the preaching of your word. And God, uh, we pray for, for your hand, your hand uh, to come and to, and to be over us and to guide us and, and to bless us. God, I pray that your spirit would teach us. It's not my words. It's, we pray for your words. We pray that the Bible would come alive, that it wouldn't just be words on a page or in some ancient text. God, may it speak to our hearts, and may you touch us right where we're at. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This upcoming year, as, as we talked about last week, the, the theme of the year is family church. The vision statement for 2023 is in 2023, West Covina Christian Church will flourish as a family church. A family church. A family church, like we've talked about, has, has two primary relationships with God our Father and with one another as, as brothers and sisters. And so this year we're emphasizing three ministries. One is after church fellowship. That's family meal. 
That's when we get together uh, as a church and, and we eat lunch together after church on, on Sundays every week. Uh, we have a, a family a meal together. Studies have shown, there's been so many studies on this, and, and it's kind of crazy how prevalent this is, but a family that eats together is stronger and more healthy, and the kids feel stable, and the marriage is better, and, and I don't know what it is, but sitting a, around a table eating a meal together is good for a family at home and for a church together as a, as a family church. So that's ministry number one. Ministry number two that we're giving emphasis to is life groups. And why life groups? Because life groups take us deeper into our relationship with one another and in our relationship with God. And so that's what we're talking about today. And then the third ministry is children and young families children's ministry and, and young families. Why? Because kids are important to every uh, family, right? Uh, you you got to give attention to the kids. The parents, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, we're all focused on the kids because we know that that's crucial. And so as a family church, we're going to talk about how we can all, no matter what age or what relationship we have with the kids, we can all be involved in one way or another as, uh, in, in, in the children's ministry. So as we talk about this, this family church, the family relationships, I was thinking about the conversations that take place on a normal basis within a family. And on a normal week, a lot of my conversations with the family are fairly surface, like who's making dinner tonight, right? <laughs> and uh, who's picking up the kids from school? I thought you were picking up. Somebody better pick up the kids from school. Uh, where'd I put my keys? That's the fourth time you've asked me that question today. That's what my wife says, because I lose the keys all the time. But these are like the surface conversations. But then every once in a while, you get a deeper conversation, right? You pick up the kids from school, and you ask them, how was your day today? And, uh, and you get an answer beyond fine. It was fine. That's what you get most days. But, but uh, one, once in a while, they actually open up. And they'll share, this, this is what happened, or this is what's going on in my life or in my friend's life. And those are, those are great times. And then as husband and wife, and maybe with the, with the parents or the in-laws, there's opportunities where the, the conversation goes beyond the surface. And oftentimes it's around difficult times. When someone gets diagnosed with a disease, or, or the kids are having real problems, then you, then you have, the, the conversation gets a little bit more meaningful and, and significant. Today, when we talk about life groups, we're talking, we're talking about how can we cultivate those, those deeper relationships, those, those deeper conversations. In a family, sometimes it's not just circumstances. Sometimes you want to foster it. When we gather together for dinner at night, sometimes we'll ask, what's your happy moment today and what's your fat, sad moment? In other words, tell us something about what's really going on. And in life groups, we begin to ask ourselves intentional questions about what's really going on in your life. How can I pray for you? And we, and we, and we open up the scriptures to begin to ask each other, how does this apply to your life? We're, causing, we're, we're seeking to challenge each other to go deeper to go deeper in our relationship with God and to go deeper in our relationship with one another. In the early church, this is the kind of relationships that we saw. Uh, in the book of Acts, we read about the church in Jerusalem and Thessalonica and Ephesus and Antioch and all these cities. And what we see is these believers are tied together in, in real significant, meaningful ways. Today we're looking at the church in Antioch in Acts chapter 11. 
And uh, this is what we see. We see, we see the people of God coming together, and, and it's a beautiful thing. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 20 in Acts chapter 11, and we'll take them one uh, paragraph at a time. Um, so I'm going to start in uh, verse 19. Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Uh, I want to give you a minute. Uh, one observation as, as you're turning there is one of the things that uh, I found interesting as I studied this, this is the first time in world history that the people were called Christians in uh, the, the, the believers in Antioch. We'll get to that. That's an interesting uh, thing. And, and we'll, we'll ask ourselves, why Christians? Uh, but we're looking at the, the Christians in the church in Antioch, and uh, we're starting in verse 19. It says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. He was killed for his faith. And, I, and, that, and that just spread a whole wave of persecution on the Roman Empire. And uh, Stephen was killed, and persecution set in, and so people were fleeing for their lives. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, and this was a shift, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And here's the, here's the great verse. The Lord's hand was on them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Isn't that a great image? I've already highlighted this, but let me just come back to it one more time. The hand of the Lord. Here's an artist's rendition of the, the hand of the Lord. And, uh, and I put that up there just because I want us to, to imagine when, when you... Th- Obviously, this is uh, symbolic. God doesn't have hands literally like this. But, but when we see that, we can, uh, we can uh, use our mind's eye and imagine yourself in the center of those hands. Or, imagine, or, or envision your family or envision us as a church, the, the family of God. That is a powerful image. See, when I see, uh, uh, when I see us in the hands of God, it communicates some very valuable things. First of all, it seems like it's hands of protection, that God's uh, hands are, are there to make sure that harm and evil doesn't come upon us. It doesn't mean that no dis, uh, uh, difficulties will come upon us, because uh, we see that persecution came upon the church in Antioch. Uh, But what we also see is even in the midst of difficulty, God guarded their hearts. They thrived in their faith. The good news is spreading. Even those in the church are turning their hearts over more and more to the Lord. And so it's God's protection. But when I also think of the hands of God, I also think of God nudging us forward. It's kind of like a little kid learning to ride a bicycle. And uh, the hand of mom or dad is always right there, right? Because if, the, if they start to get a little unstable, then mom or dad's got to grab the back of the shirt or the handlebars on the bike so they don't go top, uh, tipping over. Uh, but then we also think that when they grow a little more steady, uh, the hand of, of the parent is going to be there to push them along, give them some momentum just so they can ride on their own. I think of God's hand like that. It is here to both protect us and to, and to push us into the deep end a little bit more. 
not beyond our, what we can do on our own, not so that we drown, but because he wants us to experience all of his grace and his mercy and his love. He, he, he nudges us forward. That's the hand of the Lord. You see, we live in a place, in a world right now, that, that's a difficult place to live out our faith. And we need the hand of the Lord, amen? We need God's protection over our hearts, and we need God nudging us along to, to go deeper in our faith because this is, a, this is a difficult place to be. Antioch was surely a difficult place to be. You know, Antioch had a reputation. All the churches in, the ancient, uh, in ancient Rome where this was taking place, they had a reputation, just like cities today have a reputation. But I was thinking about this. Jerusalem was known as the religious center. And then Rome was known as the power center. And Alexandria was known as the intellectual center, and Athens was known as the philosophical center. All the great uh, ancient philosophers lived in Athens. And what was Antioch known for? Antioch was known for their immorality. Antioch was first century Vegas. It was Sin City. And uh, they were known for their business, their, their commerce, but more than anything, they were known as a city of immorality. There was temple prostitution. There was all kinds of immorality. This was not an easy place to be a, a Christian, and yet the hand of the Lord was on them in such a way that great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And that's what we want to see happen here, right? In our own hearts, we want to believe and turn more of our hearts and our lives over to the Lord. And we want to see others believe and turn their hearts over to the Lord. To do that means that we need the hand of God. Now, one thing about the hand of God, you can't twist the arm of the Lord to get his hand. You know, you, you can't, you can't, uh, twi 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 uh, I'm sorry, you can't um, twist God's arm, you can't trick him into doing anything uh, that you don't want him to do. It, and so this is why we remain humble before the Lord. And we pray and, and, we, and we come before God and, and say, God, do it. But not because we, earn, we deserve it or not because we got it all together. We just ask that the, uh, that the Lord do it. It's still early in 2023, right? January 8th, we're still early. And we're and so I just thought, and I, and I thought of this as I was preparing the message, I thought, I'm going to just pause right here. And, uh, and we don't oftentimes do, that, do this, but I'm going to just pause and give us an opportunity to pray again that God's hand would rest upon us and, and our families and our church, right? Because that's, that's what we need. And so I'd like us just to spend a, a minute in prayer. In fact, if I only got your attention for three minutes today, I, pray, I ask that it be these three minutes. Let's focus our hearts and our minds and just bow our heads for a moment and pray. Go ahead and pray in the silence of this sanctuary that God's hand would be upon us. God, as I have looked over the faces in this room right now, I, I recognize so many faces that are here because we want your presence, God, in our lives.
God, we want to believe. We want to turn our hearts over to you. We want to see others believe and turn their hearts over to you. God, right now, we just come before you with all humility and ask and pray that you would stir in us and among us. And God, we, we pray for your hand, which means we're asking for your presence and for, for your work, that you, would, that you would move among us. God, we, we sacrifice right now at, the, at your feet any idols of personality or programming or, or uh, professionalism, and we just ask that you would move among us in our lives, in our families, in our church. God, we invite, we, we pray as we have been singing this morning, come Holy Spirit and have your way in us and through us. We pray for the hand of God. We pray that you would nudge us along and, and, and move us into the deep end, that we would have our, our, our relationship with you and with one another would go deeper. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so my, the second point after we talk about the hand of the Lord is that when God's hand is upon his church, there is an atmosphere of grace. An atmosphere of grace. We see that here in verses 22 and 23 of Acts 11. News of this, of the hand of the Lord and how people are being saved and, and turning their hearts to, the, to, to God, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem. As I said, that's the religious center. That's headquarters. What does headquarters do when they hear that something's going on? They send somebody, right? And so headquarters sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Jerusalem sent Barnabas, and Barnabas was one of the good guys. In fact, Barnabas is his nickname. His, uh, Barnabas mean, means the son of encouragement. And what do we see him doing here? We see him doing what he always does. He's encouraging them. He sees what's going on, and he says it, and he encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And maybe you're here this morning, and you need a word of encouragement. Because you recognize, man, it's hard to be a Christian at times. It's hard to live out my faith at home, to love my wife well, to respect my husband well. It's hard. And I, and I just think God would want to encourage you and say, keep going. Remain faithful to the Lord with all your heart. Maybe it's hard to live out, uh, live out your faith at work because it's a toxic work environment. It's hard. You're overworked. You feel pressure. You're ready to snap three times a day. It's hard to have patience. It's hard to be gentle. It's hard to be kind. Uh, and, and God would say, keep going. Keep, uh, remain faithful to me with all your, your heart. It's hard to wake up in the morning to spend time with God in His Word and in prayer. And, uh, and, and sometimes you just want to hit the snooze button for the fifth time. And God says, no, 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 no. Keep going. Keep waking up. Keep pressing on. Remain faithful to the Lord with all your heart. You see, we need this kind of encouragement. And that's part of the reason why we gather together as a church, because when we gather together, we are encouraged, and there is an, what I want to call an atmosphere of grace. There, there it is, the atmosphere of grace. An atmosphere of grace is the feeling that you get when you are in a family church. 
Okay, that's an atmosphere of grace. It's that feeling of love and, and support and acceptance and encouragement that causes us to you know, want to love Jesus and want to live for him. And we want an atmosphere of grace at our church. Amen? That's why we're gathering together for, for lunch afterwards. Because it cultivates an atmosphere of grace. Relationships. That's why I'm encouraging you today to find a life group and to get involved because it's an atmosphere of grace where we go deeper with one another. We want an atmosphere of grace. When an atmosphere of, of grace exists, then we look like Christians. Pure and simple. We hear so oftentimes everyone in the media wants to say, that's not how Christians should live. Look at those hypocrites. Uh, they, they don't do what they, they're, they're supposed to do. Well, I get it. And sometimes we mess up, but here's our opportunity to actually live out our faith. We want to be Christians. Jesus said, they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. They will know that we are the family of God if we love one another. And that's what we see here, the, the believers acting like Christians, 25 and 26. Then Barnabas went to Tarshish to look for Saul. We know him as Paul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. I've oftentimes wondered, why did he go to Tarshish? Why didn't he go back to Jerusalem? Well, sometimes you don't want to go to headquarters. Uh, he goes and finds a guy he can trust. So, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. First time they were all ever called Christians was there at Antioch. Today, over two billion people claim the title of Christian. And these were the first ones. Up until this point, they'd been called disciples or saints or believers or witnesses or followers of the way, but here they're finally called Christian. Now, what does Christian mean? Well, you, you always add the suffix, I-A-N, when you're trying to describe something that belongs to somewhere or to, to someone or to some way of life. So, so we live in California, right? So we're Californians. We add I-A-N. We belong to this state. Now, if you're really good at something, Amanda is really good at mu music, so she's a musician. You add the I-A-N. And, uh, and if you de dedicate your way to, uh, your, yourself to a way of life, you say, I'm not going to eat any uh, meat anymore, then you're a vegetarian. You, you've, ali you've aligned yourself uh, with that way of life. I'll claim a lot of things, but the last one, I love my hamburgers, okay? But the one I'll claim first and foremost is Christian. Because that means that we belong to Christ. That's where, that's where we live. We live in His presence. That means we want to be good at something. And namely, we want to be good at living the way that Jesus lived. And we're aligning our lives with Christ. We want to live in such a way that Christ would live if he were in our place. We want to live in such a way that, uh, that, uh, that would be like Jesus would live in your home and at your workplace and with your friends. You want to live as Jesus would live if he were in your shoes. That's what it means to be a Christian. Now, I know that the first, the first believers that received that title Christian, it was done out of mockery. They were living in this immoral city of Antioch, and people were shouting all kinds of things. Hey, you Christ heads, you crazy Jesus followers, you Christians. And someone heard that last one and said, hey, wait a second, what'd you say? Christians? I kind of like that one. 
Let's, let's call ourselves Christians because I want to be lined up with Jesus. In high school, someone called me a Jesus freak. And I know they, were men, they meant to, to get under my skin. They were mocking me and criticizing me. You Jesus freak? I loved it. I said, hey, call me Jesus freak. In fact, I began to tell others, call me Jesus freak. I want to be known as crazy for Jesus. And uh, we want to be known as Christians. We want to be known that we line our lives up with Christ. And we live as he would uh, live. Now, as Christians, we act like Christ. And that means at least one thing. It means that we... It means a lot of things, but one thing it means is that we care for one another. And that's what we see here in verses 27 through 20, verses 27 through 30. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Holy Spirit. So in other words, this, he's going to speak something that's true of God. He prophesies, he predicts that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. And just to make sure we, we know that this was true, it puts it in parentheses. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, here's what I, I want to emphasize. The disciples, as each one was able, dis- decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift by the el- uh, to the elders by Barnabas and Paul. As I was studying for this uh, sermon, uh, one scholar said, this was, is the first act of charitable giving in ancient history. People would oftentimes help their family, but no one had ever helped others outside their family like this. And I read that, and I thought, ooh, that's good. i got to include that in the sermon. But when I went back to the text, I noticed, who are they helping? It says, verse 29, they decided to provide help for their brothers and sisters. They're, they're actually helping, they're, they're still helping their family. Now, it might not be their biological kin, but this is their spiritual family. I think for the Antiochs, they, they, they weren't doing anything crazy. They thought, this is just the way that we are. We love each other. We're family. And what we're challenging us to do as a church, to be, to be a family church, this is nothing radical, nothing crazy. If we're followers of Christ, this is going to be the most natural thing in the world for us. We love one another. We pray for one another. We, we care for one another. Now, the need that they met in the first century was a famine. They, they took up an offering so they could buy food for those who are hungry. Our care for one another is probably not primarily physical needs. Our our greatest needs in our world today are emotional and relational and spiritual. In fact, if we have a famine, it's it's a hunger for connection and relationship. I'm reading a book right now uh, called Unbreakable Bonds, and it says, with everything going on in our country and in our world these days, more and more people realize that now is the time to connect with others. This is what really matters. And I don't know how much people uh, recognize that cognitively, like uh, consciously, but I think deep down inside we do recognize we want to be connected to one another. This is what really matters. And coming out of the pandemic, that's what we feel. 
We've lost that connection. We, we long for it. Social media exasperates that uh, feel because it promises connection, but it leaves us feeling unconnected and empty and longing for what others have that we don't have. And so here as a church, we stand in the gap and we say we're here to provide connections and, and relationship. This is what God is calling us to, a, a family church. And so would you consider... Here's the plug. Would you consider being in a life group this year? You've got all the list of the life groups uh, in the, on the handout in your program. And uh, all the groups from last session are continuing on. We're adding two more groups. Pastor Art and Malou are going to be leading a group, and, and Mary Sella is going to uh, be leading a group. I would love to see everyone be in a group of, in one sort or another because it's our way of going deeper. It's time to get out of the shallow end. It's time to just say, hey, I'm, I'm here. I'll get, I'll get ankle deep. It's time to go in the deep end, where we go deep in our relationship with God. We go deep in, uh, in our relationship with one another because we're a family. Uh, in 2023, West Covina Christian Church will flourish as a family church, which means that we're going to flourish as we go deeper in our relationship with one another. So think of all the excuses you want right now. I'm too busy. I won't fit in. I don't know enough. They're going to ask me to open the Bible. I don't know where the books of the Bible are. Uh, 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 I got better things to do. Think of all the excuses you want right now, and then I don't even have to hear them. Just put them in your mind, in your, uh, in your mind and then right now I'll just say, that's a lie. That's a lie. That's not true. God wants us to go deeper. God wants us to, to go deeper in our relationship with, with each other and in our relationship with him. Okay, as I close, let me end on a fun note, okay? Uh, over the winter break be between Christmas and New Year's, uh, my family and our extended family, Chelsea's brothers and her families and her parents, uh, we went to the Great Wolf Lodge in Anaheim. You ever been to the Great Wolf Lodge? It's a great place, if, especially if you got kids, or if you like water parks. Because the main attraction of the Great Wolf Lodge is it's got this big indoor water park. And uh, especially because it was all the cousins together, we had the greatest time. Chelsea's parents uh, gifted this all to us. We all stayed there for a few nights, and we had a great time. There's three rides that I'll highlight. The first is there's this big water bucket. And uh, it's great for the, for the young kids especially. It's meant for the young kids. In fact, that little dad right there is holding a baby. Because, the, uh, because they love to watch the bucket get filled up slowly, and then all of a sudden it tips over and they get doused with this water. And they scream and they have the uh, most fun. The second ride is the wave pool. And uh, you can't quite see it in the picture, but it's real shallow on this end. And then on the other end, it's, uh, it's deep. It's uh, like you got to jump to keep your head above the water as the, the waves come. But the last ride that I'll highlight, this is my favorite one. It is called the, uh, the Howling Tornado. And they call it the Howling Tornado because you begin to swing like this when you're riding the inner tube. And so it's like a tornado. And they call it Howling because everyone's like, ah! You know, you're, you're howling. And, it, and, it's, and it's scary. But as soon as you get off, you're like, that was fun. Let's do it again. It's one of those uh, types of uh, rides. It's scary, but it's thrilling. Now, when I think of us as, a, as a, a family church, 
I just want to say, first of all, we want to pray that we just get doused with the Holy Spirit, with the grace of God. We're praying for an atmosphere of grace, that when we come, we feel the love of God. We feel God's grace. We feel a part of the family. We just want to pray that God would pour it all out on us. And then we want to go from the shallow end to the deep end. We want to go from just surface relationships and surface conversations to begin with, to the point where we begin to really go deep with one another. And that's the wave pool. And then the last one is, I'll admit it's scary. And sometimes we get into new relationships. We're like, I don't know if I want to go that deep with others. I don't know if I even want to go that deep with the Lord. And I'll just say, it's scary, but man, it's worth it. It's thrilling. In fact, it's the way that you were created to live. God has created you to, to not remain uh, in the shallow end. He's created you to go deep. And when you experience all that love and all that grace, you're just going to get off the ride and you're going to say, man, it was worth it. That was great. Let's do it again. Because we were created to live this way. This is part of what it means to be in the image of God. In the Trinity, he had relationship with one another. And we're created to have relationship uh, with one another. So, Sign up for a life group. Uh, fill out the connection card and leave it at the Connection Central. Or we, got, we even got a QR code. You can take out and scan it right now and, and indicate which uh, life group you want to be in, involved in. Or, or if you want to take some time and pray about it, just don't put it off. But get on the website this week and go to the, go to the church's website and, and you can sign up for a life group there. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you that uh, you love us so much that you don't leave us on our own. God, we thank you that your, your hand is with us. And we trust that when we start to get, uh, feel a little bit un, unsteady, that your hand will and hold us firm, that we won't fall over. And then, God, we, we're inviting the scary we're inviting that you nudge us forward and, and give us some momentum that we'd go deeper in our relationship with you and with one another. And so, God, we thank you that you love us so much that, you, that you're calling us into more and more of, to experience more and more of your love and your grace. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll invite the uh, prayer counselors to come forward. And uh, if you'd like to receive prayer during this last song, It'd be a, a wonderful opportunity for you to come and to pray with one of our brothers and sisters here at the front of the sanctuary. Let's stand as we.